0: Peace. What's good, family? We back. It's Thursday. June 1st. Making today's math. Knowledge. Knowledge is the first step in the creation process. It is that fine gas that the naked eye can hardly detect. Which once put into its liquid form, which is wisdom. And then it's solid form, which is understanding. Well, that, sir, brings about the best part. Oh, yeah. Peace, family. I see y'all. Shout out to Teacher Maria. Thank you. Kanye Funye, Thank you. Karis Knofflin, I see you. I know we're a little early. A1 Drizzy, what up? I know y'all like 12 noon. What in the heezy? Yeah, but this is even better for the overseas people, right? This is good for y'all, right? Uh. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Um... Uh, as long as y'all can hear me we good. It's doing this fucking delay shit again. Hopefully it'll it'll sync up uh like it usually does, but I don't know why they try to sabotage me like this. But it's the information that's always most important. Y'all don't need to look at me. Y'all already see, you know what I mean? Y'all know I'm a handsome dude and all that. Y'all don't need my fucking video to be in sync. But anyway, I hope y'all feeling great today. Um, like I said, today is the Knowledge Day. It's the first day of June. This is also the first day of Sicko Month. <laughs> These motherfucking sickos. who done stole the rainbow from the from the babies. Really, they stole the rainbow from Fred Hampton. Do you know Fred Hampton was the first one to have a rainbow coalition? And then Jesse Jackson stole it from Fred Hampton. And then the gays stole it from Jesse Jackson. <laughs> yeah. So those motherfuckers is... is celebrating uh sickness month and we're not gonna join in on that uh fuck target fuck all them motherfuckers that you know support that shit and we need to support uh businesses that support our values shout out to chick-fil-a chick-fil-a don't play that bullshit all right, listen, everybody, make sure that you click the like button. Um, if you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Click the notification bell and click all so you'll know when we drop a new jump off. Uh, that's right. My next guest uh, is the brother that I met some years back, man. I I feel like what I know. Like, like 13 years or something like that now, man. It's been a while. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good brother right here, man. Um you know, everybody that I know speaks highly of him. He's somebody that uh is just known to help brothers and, and get them into certain positions, and we're gonna talk about that, but I think he first came to on a lot of people's radar for initially being falsely accused in the murder of Jason Jam Master J. Mizell. Um, just recently, a third person was charged in, in the 2002 murder. Um. A man by the name of Jay Bryant was charged along with two other men, um, one being Carl Jordan Jr. and another being, uh, I think his last name is Washington. I'm not sure what his first name is. Yeah. Anyway, um, Carl Jordan Jr. is actually the son of somebody that I know. Uh big D, and I'm wondering if Schoon knows Big D as well. He he almost has to. We're gonna find all of this out. So listen, with no further ado, I'd like to uh welcome my brother to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the God cast, my brother Curtis Schoon.
1: Peace to the God. What's up, brother? Hang on, a
0: little delay on my end, it's coming in.
1: Ace. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. How
2: are
0: I, you, my I, brother?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm feeling real good today.
0: You yeah, know? yeah. You should be, man. Um, you just you just got you purchased yourself a new vehicle that you're gonna be picking up after yeah. this show, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little something, man. A little something. Little I'm something, long man. overdue. I'm long overdue. Hey,
0: man. I I like to call it me and my boy call it. We say it feels right. It feels, it feels right, right. When, when that yeah. shit happened. Right. I just, yeah. I just got me a feels right a couple of weeks ago. I just got me a a a, a, a new range or whatever oh, to beautiful. replace my, my older range. Um, so I know the feeling of that feels right feeling. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, you about sir. to go get your shit, and you know what I mean? You just feel good. Feels right. Mm-hmm. Uh, heck nine. Shout out to heck nine. Thank you. Peace, God. He said peace to the family. Yes, sir. Um, well, that's good that you're in a good mood. Um, yeah. So we just going to talk, man. Let's, let's, let's take it back. Um, let's go back to the origins of, of Curtis school. Um, where did you grow up at? And tell me about that era that you grew up in.
1: I grew up in Hollis, what was, Queens.
0: What, what was it like in the times that you grew up? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I, I grew up in Hollis, Queens. Shout out to Hollis,
0: Queens. My life from Hollis, Queens.
1: I remember as a young kid, we had we actually had street gangs in, in New York City. And they used to wear their colors, the jackets in the 70s. I wasn't old enough to be in a street gang. I missed it by a couple of years. Not that I I wish that I was, but I remember it vividly. And, you know, um, the movie The Warriors, I believe, was inspired by the street gangs in New York. You had the Tomahawks and the Seven Crowns and the Seven Immortals and the Sex Boys, all of them, right? So that was the era, and everybody wasn't as flashy back then. Mm. People, Life was simpler, and the things that distinguished you were more or less... If you could dress good, if you could fight good, if you could dance good, things of that nature. You know what I mean? Like people didn't really rely on the materialism back then because no one really had a lot of material items. Now, or when I you say dress go. good,
0: what what do you mean by dress good? How how would we dress good
1: back then? Oh, man, it might have been a a, a Lee, Lee bottoms and some Pumas, some Clydes or something uh-huh. like that. And, and I remember the Clydes because I would pay $21 for them, and that was considered a lot of money. Yes. You, know, you, you would get Chuck Taylors for about $12. Mm. And, man, you had to wait till you got holes in your shoes before you got some new ones. You know what I mean? I remember right. the
0: pro kids. Remember the yes, pro kids? that's right.
1: Royal Crown. Listen, Royal. man. Look it was so different and simpler back then i'm not saying it was better because everybody you know they have their own experience and they value it the way they value it but it was very different and simpler back then there wasn't a lot of pressure on everyone to be you know a mogul a billionaire or none of that man you know so it it it, it was it was kids being kids not kids pretending to be business magnets and things like that. You know what I mean? Right, right.
0: Now, what kind of of household did you grow up in? Like, did you Um, grow up in like a, you know, in the projects, did you grow up in like a middle class? Like what, describe, you know, a single parent home. What kind of home did you grow up in? Brothers and sisters, all of that.
1: Look man, um, Queens has a lot of houses. And um, typically when you didn't, when you moved from Brooklyn, you got your weight up, you would move out to Queens. Or if you really got your weight up, you would go out to Long Island, right? Facts. So a lot of people would um, disparage us for having backyards and things like that, you know. (laughs) I I, I remember back in the day, they would be like, Queens, like, you know, like Queens is soft because, you know. (laughs) We got houses. Quiet, Queen. Queen. <laughs> quiet queens. Quiet queens. Yeah, all of that. But to answer your question, I grew up with a, um, my mom, my stepfather, um, and my siblings and 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 step sister and step You know what I mean? It was seven of us. I would call I would say middle class, but I don't really know. my My stepfather was pretty good with his hands. My mom didn't work, so it was seven kids, uh, mom and dad in a house. Doberman's in the backyard, you know, it was different. It was different back then. I think the mortgage might've been about $100 a month. My stepfather wow. might've been making about, uh, and and that's a house that today is worth about $700,000. But back then the mortgage was like $100, 100 and change. And my stepfather may have been earning about, I don't know, $300 a week. And he could take care of a family of nine with that. You know what I mean? And he wasn't doing anything in the street, illegal. He was a mechanic and he did what would be called HVAC today. And you know what I mean? And, and he could take care of his family and things. The cost of living has risen so much, so much that you you almost can't have those kind of jobs and take care of a, a family that large anymore. So I, I think life was simpler, but You know, not not to go too much off on a tangent, but the seventies was the beginning of the depreciation of the dollar after Richard Nixon took it off the gold standard in 1971. Fucked us all up. So it was, you know, you got more out of your money back then than you do now. You really need a lot of money. A lot of people don't know that after the Federal since the Federal Reserve uh the dollar has depreciated more than 95 percent since 1913. you know what I mean so it takes a whole lot more dollars to do a lot less because our money is continually devaluing yeah but yeah that was that was my household I went to Catholic school um Mm. my 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 my, my parents are they Caribbean and if you know anything about Caribbean parents they prioritize education Not so much having, uh, you know, new sneakers and stuff on the first day of school. You know, no no shots at anybody, but that education meant something to them. And I went to Catholic school, and that's where I met Joseph Simmons, Reverend, and Dow McDaniel's DMC. Mm. We were in the same class, same grade, from second grade to eighth grade. We were in the same class, the three of us, you know, and we actually became really good friends. Wait,
0: wait, wait! You cut out for a second. You said from second grade to eighth grade, y'all went to school together.
1: Yeah, in the same class at that, not just the same school, we were in the right, same, same class. class. Yeah, bro, wow, Those were like really good friends of mine, you know. Yeah,
0: right, wow. So, I mean, that's crazy, right there. So, so these are <laughs> these are childhood friends. Well, first of all, you know, to keep it real, a lot of childhood friends grow up. And and end up doing horrible things to each other, you know uh, what so, I mean? Which is a fucking shame. Um, um, so so, alright. Let's 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 since we just started talking about them, you grew up and and were in the same class with Run DMC, basically, Jason Mizell.
1: So, well, Jason went to public school. He wasn't part of our clique, you know what I mean? Yeah. Ah. Jason went to public school. I'll I, I'll break that down for you a little later on in the discussion. But go ahead.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, so Rev Run and DMC was in your class.
1: Yes, those two. Ah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And what kind of what kind of kids was they when they was young?
1: Oh man, DMC was very artistic. You know, if you if you remember his run, he, uh, run said i'm dj run i can scratch i'm dmc i can draw, I could draw right oh he really could and he had me on the silver surfer in fifth grade he used to uh like try to do comic books and i would add the dialogue to it you know what i mean like yeah
0: oh wow uh,
1: yeah and, and run he wanted to dj he didn't want to rap isn't that that's why his name is DJ, right, run. dj
0: run yeah
1: yeah um when his brother started promoting at places like the Hotel Diplomat and what have you. He was doing those college parties, you know, like Funky Fridays. He had names like that for themes and, you know, and he had them all over. And Run used to work in the coat check room and stuff. And then they just started um, letting him rap. Mm. Yo, because he, he was originally, uh, uh, Curtis Blow was Russell's main talent. And it, the, right. I remember the, the Flyers used to say, Curtis Blow and his disco son DJ Run. A right, lot of son of even, Curtis Blow. A lot of people don't even really understand that how rap was really more affiliated and influenced by disco. Like you had the disco fever in the Bronx and all that. You know what I mean? Like, and there was a lot of disco influence and references in the early days of rap in the '70s. And then later on, it, it started morphing into its own thing. Like, but but yeah, I right. remember that. Now, uh, well, uh, well,
0: real quick to talk about that, real quick. Hang on, real yeah, quick. Yeah,
1: yeah, go ahead.
0: Um, because technically the disco tech, see, disco and the disco tech are two different things. Disco is the actual music, the disco tech is where they played various music, not just disco. Okay, and hip-hop, although like we used to use the breaks. so a lot of that shit wasn't disco. Although it was being played in a discotheque because that's where you had to hear with that. You know what I mean? A lot of people, when they look at, um, they'll look at Rapper's Delight and say that hip hop came from disco, kind of. You know what I mean? And that was a thing, like, that shit was <laughs> dis- disco. We <laughs> was really on those soul. Hip hop really started with the soul breaks. Like, you know what I mean? So.
1: Look, I, I, let me say this, man. The fat boys they called themselves the Disco Three. I right? listen. My listen. first
0: DJ name was Kid Disco. Oh, okay, <laughs> look. But I wasn't really a disco dude. Disco was the record, like you know what I mean. I was a the, DJ. Le-
1: okay, uh, Jamal. Let me let me. Okay, let me add this then. Do you think the popularity of disco maybe it wasn't disco per se, but because disco was so popping. Hip-hop, it helped. Uh, leaned, it leaned on it, you know, kind of cloud yes. chased a little bit. Do you know a little like, bit? Yeah. Yes, yes,
3: <laughs> absolutely.
1: Okay. That's so. That's the influence. there. no, it wasn't the same music. And by the way, Niles Rogers, who made "Good Times," which was the track for Rapper's Delight,
0: right? He was, didn't even like hip hop.
1: Yo, know, he was a disco producer. You know, right? So there's some, there's some overlap there. You know, and I, I'll leave it to people like yourself who really, really know and studied this. I just remember it as a spectator. And right. I, I went to the Disco Fever in the Bronx. No, they were not playing disco. Exactly, music, but it was yeah. called
0: the Disco Fever. But they yeah. were smoking dust in there, That's and right, they was yeah. playing nothing but that hardcore underground
1: shit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. But, <laughs> uh, but, but in, in any event, man, uh, the music was so was so influential and. Russell was right there and his timing was right and, and run being his younger brother, his timing was right. And he was in the right place at the right time. And, and he was doing his thing with Curtis blow. And, um, next thing, you know, man, he talked to his brother and he he wanted to form a group. Russell being the entrepreneur that he is, and he was at a very young age, he, um, he told him to make a group, and Run did what? He went with DMC. Jay was not part of the original group. They wouldn't even allow Jay to show his face on the original album cover because he wasn't on paperwork. And the truth of the matter is there was another individual named Nellie D, Donnell Smith, who was supposed to be the DJ because he was from in Hollis, and he used to DJ block parties. But he went to Job Corps instead mm-hmm. of Run DMC. Because nobody thought rap was really that big back then, you know. And he went he went to Job Corps, and of course, he didn't stay. But by the time he came back, that window had closed, and Jay filled that void. Now, Jay went to public school. Jay, Jay was a, uh, he lived on the block of Run's first wife. I think her name is Val, right? And that's how Run got to know him. What Run needed. Was some kind of like connection to the hood, because we weren't not we weren't from the hood. We went to Catholic school, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I knew a little bit more people than them because I lived right there in the center. I lived on two second and two third was like the, the the heart of Hollis, right, and. Run used his brain, and he recruited Jay, who also used to DJ. But Jay wasn't as good as Nelly D. But he recruited Jay because Jay would give Run and DMC ties to the to the street guys. Not that Jay was so much a street guy, but Jay was more a cool dude, more so than like you know a, a gangster. He was cool with the gangsters; they liked him. Right. So if you put Jay in your in your group. Now a group gets a pass with Jay, and that was the strategic positioning of Jam Master Jay in the group when it first started. Russell did not want to put Jay on paperwork, but Run fought for it, and it happened. And and, and that that's for real. You know, I haven't talked to Run in many many years. Um, he's a he's a different kind of guy. I, honestly, me being a hundred percent, D has always been of the three. D has always been the most genuine person, right? Mm. And I, that's not to knock anybody else, but D has been the most down to earth man. You see D deal kicking with you like you wouldn't even think this dude had the role he had in hip hop, right? And um run run is charismatic, man. He's like the most he, he's like most front men in groups, you know what I'm saying? Like he got a little ego, but he got a lot of ego and all that, but he's smart. he understood business and he was definitely the leader of that group i'm gonna tell you the truth all the way around the board there would have been no run dmc without without joseph simmons reverend run you
0: know i mean he had the energy as soon as you heard him on all the records on sucker mc two years ago like honestly if you know at the time if dmc's part never came in we wouldn't have been mad. You know what I mean? But when he came in with that, I'm DMC in the place, it was like, okay, like that's, you know. But homeboy, you see that Run's rhyme is a lot longer. You know what I mean? And they they used to go with that back and forth shit. Like they used to use Run's voice over DMC's voice because sometimes if he just left it with DMC, it was the energy was lacking a little bit. So he, he would jump in there, the crap, the rap. You know what I mean? Like
1: he, he can't. Yeah. And, and no disrespect anybody. And I told you, I, I like D personally the best as an individual, but Run artistically carried both Jay and D in that group, man. And although no I
0: think, but I still think he needed a group. I don't know if oh, he would be a good he, solo MC. No,
1: nah, nah, he did. You need know what I mean? Yeah, he did need a group. Yeah. yeah. He did. So they they started making their mark. And and I often say, and again, a lot of people don't like this. You know, hip-hop started in the Bronx. It did. But when you look at Flash and, and Bambada and them, they were trying to connect, in my opinion, with, with the mainstream. And running them came and took it right back to the street element. Yep. You know what I mean, and 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 in 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 hindsight, that's exactly what made rap blow up, because it seemed like the people in the Bronx they wanted to escape and go different, go funk like Parliament or or. I, I, I no disrespect to Flash, and them, but I compared them to the village people sometimes. You know the way they used to dress and dance, and, 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 and
0: rightly so. And you know, and <laughs> I felt conflicted about that at that time. Like I wanted to be a rapper since rap since the inception of rap. I didn't know that these guys dressed like that until I went <laughs> to my first show at Roseland, and I saw. Um, soul sonic force right Yo. these niggas came out on stage indian suits and planetary shit and and i was like what the fuck is this like this wasn't what i imagined in Yo. my mind because i used to just get the tapes you know what i mean and, and the wax and back then you just had to use your imagination so when i seen this i was like damn i'm conflicted then when i start seeing pictures of you know, flat, uh, Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel, and they got these le- leather on and whips and chains and all, all kinds. And I'm like, damn, I want to be a rapper, but I don't. I don't want to have to dress like that. So when Wendy MC came out, it was freeing. First of all, because let's keep it real. Even if, even if you said I, right, I'm willing to put that shit on that they was wearing. That shit wasn't cheap. Like leather pants and fucking like, where's a regular kid gonna be able to even find that shit? Even if you had the money, where are you getting this? A top made of handcuffs and like some leather pants with some fucking cheetah boots on. Like, where do you even find that shit? So, them niggas was shopping in some shit where the average motherfucker couldn't go. When you saw Run DMC, you're like, yo, they're wearing the shit that I... I seen that at VIMs. Like, they got the lease took
1: me back. They
0: got the Lee's suits at VIM. That's what Run DMC is wearing. Yeah, yeah. Now all we got to do is figure out where they're getting them fucking Stetson hats. And I think I know if we go to 42nd Street, we can get
1: them hats too. Yeah. No, thirty fourth
0: is where the Stetson uh, store was at. Matter of fact, my bad, Herald Square. They
1: they they influenced the game, and I I don't try to take credit from nobody. I just try to tell the truth, right? The the dudes like flashing them. What they started is not what they wanted to do. They wanted to assimilate into something else. So when I hear them griping a a lot nowadays, I'd be like, y'all didn't even want to do this, right? I wanted to do something else, man. Y'all wanted to be on the big stage with earth, wind and fire and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But because somebody took what you what you initiated and and, and took it in a different direction and made it bigger than anything you ever thought it could be.
0: Because you didn't have just, faith in this.
1: yo. And they didn't have the vision, bro. That's right. They didn't have the faith and they didn't have the vision. So you got to give credit to, to where it's due. That's why I was instrumental in that book, Queens Reign Supreme because I, I understood the role that Queens played in bringing hip hop to the world. And, and the people in Queens, the artists were influenced by the street guys in Queens. Earlier, we were talking about how it was Quiet Queens, but then when crack came, that was a different era. You know, uh, crack took off in Queens. And the same reason that it, it was called Quiet Queens is why it took off. Because the more affluent your clientele, the more money you stand to make. So whereas in poor neighborhoods like in East New York and Brooklyn, they were waiting for the, the first and the 15th in Queens, you're dealing with people that got jobs. So every weekend now you got money to make. And mm. the Queens drug dealers started making more money than their peers in other more impoverished sectors of the now city. Now
0: that's a perspective that I've never heard. Mm-hmm. And like, when I think about it right now, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. A lot of other, like you said, they had to wait to the first and 15th to niggas get their welfare checks and all of that mm-hmm. type of shit. Or if a nigga come up on the lick in between that type of shit. But if you got people that got jobs, you know, and every week they're buying crack and shit like, yo, and then you got the first and 15th, too on top of that? Whoa.
1: Listen, I, that it, explains like, oh. a lot.
0: That explains saw, a lot.
1: I saw it at play all around the country. DC was the reason why they got so much money in DC is because of all the job government jobs. The reason why they got so much money in Detroit was because of all the auto industry jobs. So wherever you have a affluent clientele base. Atlanta. You're gonna make your money. So mm. the dudes in the real rundown parts of town, they're not gonna get money like the cats that's that's closer in proximity to more affluent stable people but the inverse of that the flip side of that is the drug dealer destabilized some of our most productive communities by selling drugs in those communities queens end up going from quiet queens to changing the damn drug laws in the country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not not anything to be boastful about. Again, I just try to be truthful as I've witnessed it, as I've experienced it. And that was the thing in Queens. And then when you had the TNT, Technical Narcotics Task Mm -hmm. Force, they focused on on Queens. And, And at that point, so many dudes from Queens were getting locked up that now... Instead of uh, it being quiet Queens, Queens started being deep in the system on Rikers Island, upstate. And that started shifting things. Now it was no more quiet Queens. It was like Queens is in the building. Because let's just be real. The strength are in numbers, man. A lot of people always talk about this area is tough and so on and And so 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 forth. When you have a lot of, a dense population, you're going to have a lot more of everything. You're going to have a lot more killers, a lot more gangsters, a lot more suckers. You're going to have a lot more of everything. So when those numbers started like building up from getting arrested by, by the NYPD, focusing on Queens drug lords, like the Supreme Team and, and 40 Projects and, 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 and Fat Cat and others, Hollis not so much. We got money in Hollis, but Hollis was kind of like a no man's land where anything goes and nobody even tried to set up shop in Hollis because it was so ignorant in Hollis. You know what mm. I mean? Like, mm. yeah, they, they, you know, they say the only thing worse than organized crime is disorganized crime. Hollis, <laughs> Hollis had a lot of disorganized crime. You know what He's I mean? Matthias. But but that that that's how it was, man. It was a very, very different time. And also, again, none of this is a boast. I'm just presenting the data and the facts. From 1985 to like 1992, the the murder rate in New York because of the crime, I mean the crack in New York City, it went from like 1,600, 1,700 in 80, 85, and it progressively increased every year. By 1991 or 92, it had been 2,248 in one year. We're talking about six murders a day one mm. entire year. See, from like 88, it was like over 2,000, but it peaked around 92 at over 2,200. None of it is a boast, but it's to give the, the listeners an idea of what the climate was like. Right. At that time. It was, I, I, I didn't I, I didn't live through the roaring 20s, but I've seen the movies and I would compare the 80s to what the roaring 20s was portrayed like in, in film with prohibition and the speakeasies and the Tommy guns and, and, and just reckless violence and mayhem all over the place. The 80s was a very, very different time. And, and I came of age in the 80s. In 1984, I turned 20 years old. Mm. And today I, I, I can say that, and this is a matter of fact, this is not a matter of pride that I know well, at least 30, 35 people that that I knew were murdered, right? Not close friends, but I knew of them, I knew them, I seen them. And on top of that, I actually know two cop killers. It's not because of the circle so much. We're talking about the, the climate in New York City. And not just New York City, because at that time, they were calling DC the murder capital I was in D.C. too around that time in Baltimore. It was just violent everywhere, and the drugs, and and the young men who were introduced to the drugs because under with heroin you had to kind of like be an older guy. They they had more structure, but with cocaine and crack you had this influx of young guys, and there was no structure for real. Anybody could just get a package and try to flip it, and they bump heads and it'd be no no kind of order, man. Not for real. In some places they had some, but really there was no vetting process. So anybody and everybody got involved and the outcome was the chaos that we saw.
0: Do you think by uh, people calling Queens, quiet Queens, that that made certain people feel like they had something to prove and go even Uh, harder?
1: um, it, it, It did make some people feel like that, but the... The, the real deal is that, man, now I said the best, Queens get the money, bro. You mm. know what I mean? Like, yo, and you, you start looking at all the people from Queens who impacted what they call the culture. Uh, you're talking about salt and Pepper, Herbie Lovebug, Kwame. I mean, the, the Queens Bridge is one entity by itself. Before you had RZA and the Wu-Tang, you had Molly Ball and the Juice Crew you understand what i'm saying like yo queens is
0: arguably the have the most hip-hop impact
1: i think so out of any
0: borough i'm sorry including the bronx brooklyn like there's more pound for pound per capita like legendary mcs from queens um LL Cool J, like, like, come on, like, it's fucking ridiculous, Queens, like, Queens is yo, ridiculous,
1: yo, yo man, G rap, like, yo, you, you break us down in seg- sections, man, you got Left Rack, you got Queensbridge, then you got Southeast Queens, man, you mentioned LL, then there's, yeah, run, it's just so many, man, producers, rappers, everything man uh even the dude q that started world stars from queens and on and on and on Fubu from queens it just don't stop man it just don't stop so my thing is i think a lot of people know that and they don't like to speak on it because they think it, it'll dwarf what they're doing but i say we all new york man we we, we rock out we, we did what we supposed to do it started in new york and and kudos to anybody else who took hold of it and personalized it, just like Queens did. You know, the Bronx started it. Queens did it. It didn't stop with Queens. People in the South did their thing with it. People out west. People overseas. And it just kept going. Oh, I can't forget tribe called Quest, bro. There's just so many more from Queens. Right, it's right, right. On and, on and on and on, man. It's like it's a lot, man. So again, that was the um, the 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 impetus for the book, Queens Reign Supreme. And that's why I called it Queens Reign Supreme. You know, I pitched the book to Ethan Brown. Um, I wanted to showcase how the, the street guys in Queens influenced the numerous artists from Queens who then went out and influenced the world. So, so, it, it, and I called it Queens Reign Supreme because KRS made a very famous diss of Queens called The Bridge is Over. And he mm-hmm. said his name's college reigns supreme. And, mm. I, and that was my him. no, sir. Queens reigns supreme. You know what I mean? Like, not KRS, but QRS. You know what I mean? And, and that that's how that's how that was. And I ain't got no beef for nobody. I mean, it's all in fun. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, you know, it's all in fun. Yeah. For
0: sure. So when you say Queens and then you say Reign supreme, you know, your mind is going to immediately go to the supreme team. Um, What's your connection, if any, to uh, the Supreme Team?
1: Well, I I don't have a connection to the Supreme Team other than I did the Supreme Team episode of American Gangster. Okay, uh, you you know yeah I did produce that. I gave Prima a good look. He was going on trial. Um, again, I'm from Hollis, right? Even though we're all Southeast Queens, uh Hollis, uh Hollis Hollis is one of those neighborhoods that was always at war with every other hood. You no, know, it was like so. Collison and, and and Southside never really got along, which is odd because I got so many South Jamaica homies now. Like, you know, it's right. all good. It's all good. But you know, we grow up. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we don't stay kids. But um, I don't have any connection with uh, the Supreme Team. Preem started. Um, they used to have a a, a school, a five percent of school on 150th Street. The five percenters used to be there, and um, when Catnum started hustling out there on 150th Street, you know, they the five percenters they was they was into their lessons and stuff like that, and eventually, they just started you know, trying to get money too.
0: So, getting down with the get down.
1: Getting down with the get down. So what basically mm-hmm. Preem was was a um, he was an extension of Cat's organization, in Basley Projects, you know. And and that's what it was. Uh, I, I went through a period when um, preem was away. His first his first Fed bid, I believe, or state bid, I can't remember. And his nephew Prince, they was running around uh, taking blocks all over Queens, setting up mm-hmm. shop. You know, not outside of South Jamaica, but I'll tell you where he never came to take anything: Hollis Avenue. And, of course, all mm. farmers, nobody was going over there because you had structure over there with Bump and all of them. They were actually, and they don't get the credit, right? They were actually the force in Queens. Cat, and I know Cat, right? I, I did his episode of American Gangster. I wrote the movie. I gave you the script. You know what right. I mean? You
0: like, Oh, what, 1013, 10, Officer Dan?
1: That's right. I know Cat. I know Kat, but the real force in Queens was always bumping them. And they was right off of Farmers Boulevard, which is. Now technically- who's
0: Bump for those that don't know? Explain. That's,
1: that, that's Ronnie Bump and, and his organization, you know. Um they, they but they they was like on some different, on a different level. Um the story that I got is Pop Freeman is a dude that I, I believe he was out of Detroit and he ended up doing something like 18 years for Vito Genovese when he came out. They gave him the numbers game in Queens and stuff. And of course, when you deal with the Italians, you had access to the heroin or whatever. And I don't know how true this story is. It could be just urban folklore, but they said Bump hit the uh, the number and, um, and Pop kind of took him under the wing. And like, yo, man, you don't need to be doing that stuff. And Bump cleaned himself up. And yo, he became a force to be reckoned with. I remember when Pop Freeman died I went up to the to the funeral home, and he lived. By the way, he lived he lived in Hollis, Pop mm. Freeman, and, and 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 the Lucas, Frank Lucas, and them. They was in Hollis too, by the way, you know. But I will get around to all of that. But anyway, Pop Freeman, uh, I, I went to this. I went to his funeral, and yo, real mobsters came to his funeral, bro. Real, real, mm. real, real mafioso came to his funeral. There was a dude. Um, his name is uh, Keith Sadler and he was in a street gang and he was a neighborhood tough guy he was a DJ and he had allegedly broken into Pop Freeman's house I don't have to tell you that his body was found near Kennedy Airport in the trunk of a car someone Mm. had someone injected battery acid in his veins you know there was a lot going on See, Mm. there's 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 levels to this, right? There's levels to this. A lot of people don't even know what the numbers are. Well, that's the legal lottery. Before the lottery was legal, Pop Freeman was overseeing that in Queens. You know, you could go in a number spot and it would seem like you was in an office and play your numbers. I used to buy the big red, the big blue. My numbers was 727 and 345. I used to hit, I was a teenager, Six hundred. 600 to one or on a triple action. And I believe the Bolita, the two numbers was 60 or 80 to one. I can't rec- remember right now. Yeah, I remember
0: yeah, that I, little book they used to have yeah, back in the yeah, days yeah. with the numbers and shit.
1: Yo, look, man, I like it, it's a lot of lost history. Right? Mm. And the, the importance of it is it helps you kind of see why people were the way they were. You know what I mean? What contributed to the thought processes? It wasn't simply like what goes on now is a lot of um, emulation, mimicking, and so on and so forth. But I think I think back in the day, you asked what it was like. I think survival was was the preeminent thought on people's mind. You know how to make it, how to survive. Now it's a, it's how to be. You know how to be a billionaire or something, get on the Forbes list. I don't know, you know what I mean? But uh-huh. yeah, it was like that, man.
0: Yeah, well, my connection to Queens when I was young, um, my enlightener was from Hollis, Queens. His name is really? True King of Allah, okay? okay. He's from Hollis, but he moved to New Rochelle mm-hmm. And he was on some... You know, he was a DJ slash MC slash. He was used to be on some Jamaican chatting shit too. Like, and so we met on some DJ shit. And yeah, he was just trying to, you know, do his duty. I already kind of had a little knowledge though from a from a dude named Bakim, but Bakim was on some nation of Islam type of shit. And I wasn't mm-hmm. ready to be putting suits on and, <laughs> True King, you know, you can't <laughs> smoke weed and you know what I mean? He fuck with hip hop and mm-hmm. you know, but he had the knowledge. So, and he was just a little bit older than me, whereas Bakim was much older than me. So we was able to bond more better and that's really how I got into the knowledge. So then I had another, these two dudes that moved from, Southside Jamaica Queens they was from around like Baisley and 40 projects and all that mm-hmm. Danny and Devine they was fucking they was brothers right and they was like my we maybe Devine was like 14 at the time but his brother Danny was like 12 now these motherfuckers at 14 was already sniffing pee now, for those of y'all that don't don't know what pee is, they heroin. Okay, it was called pee blow. These is the dudes that introduced me to fucking pee Like, like I never even heard of that shit before. Like niggas knew cocaine and all that type of shit, and they was like, "Yeah, you know, we be fucking with that P." You know I mean, young niggas fucking with sniffing pee and, they, and and the older dude, he used to try to get other people to do it so that he can, like, get your money with his money and try to get mm-hmm. you hooked. I tried the shit, bro, but I didn't like it. And he got mad at me. Like, you don't know what to feel. This shit is good. In. You
1: know? <laughs> <sighs> I remember
0: them being some real, street, young, wild-ass dudes, bro. Like, and I was like, damn, Queens is on some shit.
1: Look man, and I, do, yeah, what I know
0: we did I do robberies and went out to Queens and <laughs> to the Jamaica Ave to the pawn shop and then oh wow hit something and and and, and, and you know what I mean? Went and got what we was getting and man remember we was getting stopped in a in a gypsy cab with like yeah, you know, we had mad cracks on us. <laughs>
3: We got mad
0: cracks on us, but we didn't get caught. Like, they was going after the cab driver himself, actually. It was crazy.
1: Let me share something with you about that pedo, right? it, It became popular because... A lot of dudes used to use it. It was almost just like the, Vi- the Viagra of his day. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Hit him with the dope dick. That's what they, they hit used him to with say. the
0: dope dick. And that's what he was.
1: He was like, man, I'm telling you, you sniff this shit, boy. The bitch
0: think you Superman, but You know what I mean? Like, and niggas, oh word! Like you know what I mean? Like, like you don't know. You just young. And then when it says blow at the end of it, you're mm-hmm. thinking that it's like cocaine. You know what I mean? If they would have just spelt it out like, this is heroin, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like wait a fucking minute.
1: And you know what happened to a lot of dudes that did that? They, they started doing it to enhance their sexual performance. And then after a while, they didn't even care about the sex no more. Exactly. They, they just wanted to get high, man.
0: Exactly. Oh, man. And what's so sad is the younger one, the one that was 12, yo, he couldn't never get off it. And by the time he was like eighteen, yo, he ended up committing suicide.
1: Wow, there's a lot of that, man. And
0: and what's so ironic—not to cut you off, but what's so ironic—the older brother that turned him on to this shit, yeah, that nigga's like a vegan right now.
1: Yeah, but he got to live with that on his conscience, though. Yeah, got to live with that. Cause he, oh yeah, followed him, you know. Yeah,
0: but it's crazy how he like. Try to clean up and, and like now he eat healthy and like dude. You was fucking with dope at a young age. Put your baby brother on to dope and shit like that. Like some crazy shit. Rest in peace, my man Danny. Um and yeah, Divine, he's one of them dudes that just was in and out of jail all his life. Like he's one of the most streetest dudes. <laughs> he was crazy, bro. He was like, wow. Yeah, I'm surprised he's still out here, but he is. Um, So that was my connection to Queens. I always knew that Queens was ill. And yeah, they used to, you ever heard of a dude named God Math that used I to did. rob banks?
1: I did. You know, most of the 5% of dudes in Queens uh, on my side came from South Jamaica. We didn't have too many of them in Hollis. Hollis beefed with everybody, man. You know, look, beef with the 5%ers. Uh, uh, yo, they they used to say uh instead of saying peace god, they would say Grease Lord. You know what I mean? Like, yo, they 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 was wild with it in Hollis, man. You said
0: grease Lord?
1: Yeah, grease Lord <laughs> instead of peace god, <laughs> they would say grease Lord.
0: <laughs> oh shit.
1: Yo, look, man, they hated everybody, and everybody hated us, man. <laughs> mm,
2: <laughs> that's crazy. They
1: were real ignorant, yeah. But but yeah, but just moving right along, man. You know, uh, just yesterday there was some news on the Jam Master J yeah, you front. You
0: cut out, you cut out. Man.
1: I said just yesterday there was some news on the Jam Master J front. You know, and I definitely Right. Let's
0: uh, let, let, let's him. let's let's get to that. Let's get to that. So yeah. um when I met you years ago, you before they had any real suspects. Curtis Schoon's name—you were being falsely implicated as a suspect, basically in the murder of Jam Master Jay. How did how did that come about? Why would somebody even think that you would do something to? I mean, eventually you knew Jam. I know you didn't go to school with him. Like uh,
1: he lived you know. right around the corner from me. I knew right. Well.
0: So yeah. you you know him well. Childhood friend. How did it feel to be falsely accused of such a crime? And how did it affect you?
1: Oh, it affected me bad because, you know, I, I was I wasn't in a good space personally or financially when when that had happened to me. Mm. You know, it, it was like one of those situations where you'd be like, man, what else could go wrong? And then you get right. the answer. Like, right. yeah, now you're gonna have to fight a murder charge. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those things. Um, I, I knew Jay. Let me start with that. Mm-hmm. Jay was Jay was cool, man. Um I he and I used to play video games, like we'd be on you used to have a lot of game rooms back then. We'd play uh asteroids together in space. Oh, I used to love
0: asteroids,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. We used to compete against each other all the time, right? Like Jay, 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 was a cool dude like that. But as Jay got older and he became more successful, he started meeting a lot of different people that were into different things. Jay got involved with different things. Uh what happens is, man, one of what I noticed in our community is that a celebrity. You know, nobody wants to say that a celebrity did anything wrong, right? Mm. I don't know what Jay was involved with, but I had loaned Jay some money before. And um, I kind of, um, I would say I, I kind of leaned on him about the money. I didn't physically put hands on him or nothing, but. But you I was,
0: pushed up on him.
1: I pushed up on them, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I and I did it in front of some people, and this may have happened around 1996. Right. Yeah this this happened around 1996. I remember the year because Tupac got killed that year, right? Mm. And um and I'll tell you why that that's connected. So I think some people saw that, and I wouldn't even have pushed up on them the way I did. But now,
0: you, now, real quick. When you pushed up on him, did you happen to have something in your waist or in your <laughs> hand?
1: Well, I, I, I'm going to say this. I was talk. I was talking to to Jay, Diamond Dean. And, and, and an individual came and was standing nearby. Like, like, don't worry about it, Jay. I got your back. When I was talking to Jay, I was just speaking like I'm speaking to you.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: there was people watching. And one guy decided to play like he was going to be some kind of bodyguard or something. So I I did something I did at something that different. moment, not not for Jay, for but for him. him and for right, to let the watching. nigga know. Yeah, you see? It, but it wasn't for Jay, because I didn't come to Jay like that to begin with. Right. But I'm by myself. I'm a soloist. You know, when we met, I was by myself. I run around by myself. hmm I'm gonna deal with whatever come my way by myself. This is how I'm built. Right. So it's just me, it's Jay, it's the guy next uh, standing around the periphery and there's about four or five other people. The last thing you wanna lose is your edge in a situation like that. So I did something to maintain my edge. You understand? Because yo man, you got to understand the proper use of force. I don't brag about it, but it's something I really know. I I I, I got that. That's, it's natural for me. You don't understand? So anyway, years later, when whatever happened to Jay, that's all people would say. He had no enemies. The only person they ever saw. Mm. Was me, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, he, and that was six
0: years prior to right.
3: his death.
0: But you they know don't know, they know about the shit that's going on that they he was know. into on, a, on, a, on the on the on the low low.
1: Correct. He Correct. just seems
0: like somebody that's loved by everybody, and he was. He was loved. I don't yeah. know. I didn't know anybody in the industry that had a bad word to say about Jam Master J. And that's not something that, like, there's plenty of artists out there that I've heard plenty of bad shit about them. You know what I mean? They've even acted like dickheads or blah, 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 blah. Yo, Jam Master J was always just a great dude when he was around, never heard nothing bad about him. You know what I mean? So I could understand, like, damn, He
1: was loved by everybody. The only person I ever saw threaten him. (laughs) That's what happened, bro. And the reason why I remember 96, because the way we we resolved the issue is that I told him, I said, look, man, I ain't even sweating the paper. Set up a meeting with Leo for me Mm. because I was doing a dedication album for Stretch Walker who had gotten killed. Two years prior, right? And I got Diddy and Shop G and all these people to sign letters of intent. And I was mm. trying to get to Leo to do the distribution. At the time, Nikki D was his assistant. And that's why I remember it was 96 because when I sat down in the meeting with with, Ed, uh, with Leo and, and Ed Woods was my attorney at the time. Ah, oh, shout out
0: to Ed. Oh, rest in peace, Ed. Matter Ed, of fact, yeah, God, yeah, God, yeah. Man, that was my guy.
1: Yep. yep. Uh, Leo started. Rambling on about the death of Tupac and all the violence and this, that, the other. And I'm sitting there listening to him. I'm like, yo, this dude ain't really going to do shit for me. Because what he's talking about ain't related to why I'm here. You Mm. know what I mean? So I understood at that point he took the meeting as a favor to Jay. Mm. You know what I mean? But he had no intention of doing anything with me or for me. But it was a learning process. There's a lot of these fake-out moves that go on, not just in the music business, in business, period. And you got to be able to read the tea leaves, you know what I mean? To know when people pissing down your back and telling you that it's raining and shit. And that's what Leo was doing. But I resolved the issue with Jay because he set up that meeting for me. And that was a powerful meeting at that time. And I went with Ed and I had all my letters of intents and all that. And nothing ever happened, but... That was 1996 cuz that's the year uh Pop got killed. And then um 6 years later Jay got killed as, as how kid
0: much kid. money did you loan him?
1: It, it wasn't that much. It was a few it was a few racks, man. It wasn't okay. that much, you know. Like 3 4000 something yeah, like that. It was short paper like right. that, man. But you know, still
0: like, on the street, 3 4000 is 3 4000. Like where's my bread, bro? That ain't just free money I'm just giving you.
1: Well, well I, 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 I will I will give you this. I loaned run money before too, you know. Mm. Uh, there was, a, there was a time when, uh, and, and when I lend people money, I don't really want it back. To be honest with you, mm. I, I, I want them in my service. I want, I want them indebted to me. See, mm. I'm old school, man. I, I'm, I'm a nice guy, but I move, I move differently. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah. not really yeah. stressing the money. I, I, I can take the money, but when I ask you for a favor. I don't wanna hear no no bullshit, you know? And so anyway, run, run had uh when after you know things declined and rap started changing and Rock Kim and Big Daddy Kane and all of them started coming and shit shifted from what Run and, and D was doing while they was fighting uh profile records to renew their contract. That's another story. Run 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 kind of felt like he was becoming irrelevant and it was bothering him, which is why I don't envy uh, celebrities, the fame is, is very addictive. And when they fall off, you know what I mean? Like they, everybody don't adjust well, man. It's hard to go back to where you was once you've reached certain heights and run had reached the highest heights. You understand what I'm saying? So there was a, there's a, Robert Tilton was a preacher that used to be on TV and he would put his hand towards the TV and said, touch the screen and, and pray with me. And, Run sent the dude $25,000. So Tilton being the hustler that he is, they used to call him the profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, right? Mm. Not not profit. (laughs) Once Run sent him that money, Russell and uh, the others, they cut Run's access off to his money because they felt like he was losing his mind, that Mm. he would give away all his money. understand what i'm saying robert tilton invited run down to his church in texas and all that he had a mega church and run didn't like the the amenities that they you know he think he's a diva you know what i'm saying like he didn't like the limousines he didn't like the the hotels so he okay he he, he needed some money to to upgrade and he called me and i sent him a couple thousand dollars you know what i mean And, and I never got the money back from Run and I never got mm. shit out of him either, but it's okay, you know what I mean? But, but now yeah. do you
0: think his meeting with that guy is how he figured out his hustle to be a, a, a reverend?
1: Um possibly. <laughs> but but that Bishop uh I, I seen it a-
0: as a hustle from the minute that he announced he started calling himself Run. I said, This nigga figured out the Reverend hustle. This motherfucker here. Who, he don't want to pay no taxes.
1: Look, who's the black dude that was in Harlem who used to be under Reverend Ike? His name was Bishop Bernard something. That's who gave Run the game. Run got ordained in his church. You know mm. what I mean? And yeah, I, I ain't trying to drag Run, but look, man, one time he pulled me over, man. He saw me because he was. we had the same cars. We had the big body Benz's right back. Back back in the day when they first came out, they used to call it the mothership, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he had a 420, I had a 500 SEL. And mm. when he's going down Jamaica, I'm coming down Fanny Lou. He sees me, he beeps the horn. He said, pull over. I pull over. He said, Curtis School. I said, what's up, bro? He said, I, he said, listen, I heard you've been saying bad things about me. I said, <laughs> I, said I said, I said, bad things like what, Joe? He said, you said I'm a fake preacher, I'm full of shit, this, that, the other. I said, Joe, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember saying it, but it sounds like something I would say. He said, said, why would you say that about me? I said, why do you care, man? I say, fuck everybody, that's just me, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) He said, oh, so he didn't mean it. Like, I said, man, go ahead, man. Like, you know what I mean? But I talked to him about getting distribution at that time. He had his man, Larry, in the car with him who, who passed away. Larry used to be the producer. Right, Larry.
0: Oh, my God. Back. Larry yeah. Smith, one of the greatest producers yep. that nobody knew was the greatest producer until he passed away. And now we hear these, these stories later. But Larry put me inside. His it's cat in black. You know, for Yo. Joe Volk, and we never came back.
1: Yep, yeah, but but Larry was in the car with a man. Like, I, I, I see the thing about me is, right? I'm not in awe of anyone, and that goes for the killers in the street, for the entertainers. Yo, man, whatever energy you bring to me is what I'm going to reciprocate to you. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yo, if you're trying to get over. If you're trying to flex, if you try, wherever I'm gonna meet you where you are, man. So when do when dudes rock with me a certain way, yo, I'm gonna rock with them the same way, bro. You know what I mean? I think I think run because I understood right. him since I known him as a kid. You know, sometimes he could be a little full of himself, but I'll tell you this though, um, I could never be anywhere and see anybody do anything to run and not intervene. You know, you, mm. got, you got you got people like that, that you may not like their ways sometimes, but y'all got so much history that you just can't sit by and watch them go down. You know what I mean? Right. And that's where I am with Run. You know what I'm saying? My, like,
0: my, my brother right under me. <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> I used to whoop his ass every day. But God damn it, you put your hands on him, we're going off, man. I'm See going I'm buck saying? nutty on you. Only yeah. I could fucking hit him. Cause I'm the oldest of you know three brothers or
1: <laughs> and, and, and
0: brother, just because you seen me. <laughs> and
1: and the, the thing with with, with Run was that um, the only thing I was disappointed is that he knew me and he knows me, and privately he said he knew that, that I didn't do it. I just wish he would have said that public publicly. Yeah, that's mm. the only, of everything. That's what disappointed me the most, man.
0: What about DMC?
1: DMC, is he got a a different kind of personality, you see. He's not going to be the outspoken one. I wouldn't expect that from him. But Mm -hmm. Run was in the position that if he said it, it would have carried some weight. And he said it privately. But he wouldn't say it publicly. Mm. You know? He he wouldn't say it publicly. And I feel like, yo, man, because... If, if, if one was accused of something right now, I, would, I wouldn't hesitate to say, look, man, the guy I know that don't sound like him. You got to show me some kind of evidence. This ain't making sense to me. You ain't got to say I'm innocent because nobody knows what anybody do. But you know right. my character, my dude. You know what I mean? And if something is not consistent with my character, you don't put yourself at risk for saying that, you know, and he never even said that much. And, right. and, and 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 again with Jay's death, there was a lot going on at the time. Um, Edgar Bronfman was selling his shares in in Universal to Vivendi,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he took the money from that and went and bought Atlantic in early 2003. Jay got killed in 2002, and I believe that that Leo and Big D, whose son is now charged with it, with with, with
2: Mm -hmm. the killing,
1: I think Big D told Leo it was me. Big D was telling everybody it was me. I didn't Mm. understand why. I didn't understand why at all. And by the way, this Big D is not Big D from Corona. Yo, I don't know Big D from Corona, but I don't want to get him in no kind of situation that he got to explain because I'm hearing he always has to clarify that he's not the same big D.
0: Well, I only know one big D, and that's the big D that used to work at Rush Management. That's right. That's with so and that's right. And fucking Russell and all of that. And we used to, you know, Big D yep. was technically our ma- a manager. Like he was in charge when we signed with Rush Management when they were still on Elizabeth Street.
1: That's right.
0: Big D was basically in charge of us, he was in charge of Brand Nubian. You know what I mean? Um, that's where I first met Run DMC at Elizabeth Street. I I drank a forty with DMC outside, and like you said, he was the coolest dude. This nigga was like, "Yo, brand newbie, and y'all are the greatest group on the planet." I'm like, did DMC just say that he loves brand? Like, I couldn't fucking believe it. Like, like, <laughs> so I I've known Big D, uh, for a long time and not for nothing. I want to say like maybe f- 4 or 5 years back, I was in Atlanta with Buster with a with an artist that we both were working with um and Big D was one of the bodyguards for Buster down there. And it was weird to me. I was like first of all, I hadn't seen Big D in years. But now he was bodyguarding and shit, like, yeah, it was weird. And he had a hammer on him.
1: Big D, Big D worked for the Queens DA's office since the early 80s. Mm. Big D was a confidential informant. He'd been cooperating. Um, When he worked at Rush uh, on Elizabeth Street, he used to steal money from the artists Big Daddy Kane brought a dude from Brooklyn named Infinite up there who knocked Big D out in the office, right? Mm. And that's how Big D lost his job with rush management. But Big D has always had ties to the to the police, the the, the Queen's DA's office. And, and hindsight is 2020. 20. I couldn't understand why D was pushing my name so hard. I thought it was just him being cool with Jay. And by the way, Jay knew about. D taking the stand, working with the Queens DAs. It was Jay who introduced D to Leo for D to be there in the first place. It wasn't Russell who recruited mm. him. Jay brought D in. You understand what I'm saying? That was mm. Jay's man. Big D was Jay's man. And that's that. That kind of like why I maintained a certain distance from Jay. I didn't have anything against him. I didn't like some of his decisions. Some of the people that he associated with it just didn't it just, it just it didn't go good with me right so anyway i saw leo crying outside the studio on tv with chuck d when jay got killed and and when, when big d was pushing my name i believed that big d told leo my name there's no way that six witnesses six people were present in the studio when someone got killed and none of them were charged or forced to talk. And the reason why is because somebody influential, not Big D, told the police or the, the, the prosecutors, this is your guy right here. And mm. I believe the motive for that was the deal that was going on with Vivendi and Universal. Leo didn't want to be boxed out because of course you know when Edgar Bronfman bought um Atlantic, Leo went right there with him. And mm. ran Atlantic, and now he runs YouTube. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. just think bro. I'm not saying that Jay's death could have sabotaged the deal, but it could have sabotaged Leo's career because Leo was the head of Def Chap, which had a company called Murder Inc., mm. w- which had a, a the head of the label called Irv Gotti, which was affiliated with Supreme McGriff, The crack kingpin, or whatever they wanted to call them, and now Mm -hmm. they were saying that initially, the night of the death, they would time preem to Jay's death. That for whatever reason, they were saying it was preem, and then two days later, it to me. When Jay first got killed, nobody said it was me. That Friday, it started being me. Somebody redirected that in investigation and i don't believe it was the people in the studio because they weren't talking to the police you know mm. what i mean And i don't believe big d could have done that redirection on his own now mm. what would be his motivation but lo and behold Cover yes
0: <laughs> we gotta get the heat off of you son um uh, i don't yeah. give a fuck who he put it on
1: Lo and behold, 18 years later, his son gets arrested and it all starts making sense to me. Like right. for, for me, it's like I'm in a movie. You understand what I'm saying? I'm looking at because I'm like, yo, what the fuck made them go at me so hard? Like, yo, like it the shit didn't seem right. It didn't, it didn't sit well with me. It caused me a lot of stress. It caused me to leave New York because I understood that um the police would pick me up on other charges, fake charges, and put me put me on ice while they try to get people to testify. I, I know how the game works. I've been mm. on trial. I got case law, Curtis School versus the state of New York. People use my case to get out of, of trouble. I, I know the game. I've been on, I've been through the ring of lineups grand juries, all of that prior to any of this happening. So I understood how law enforcement worked. Their primary objective isn't to solve crimes, solve cases, it's to close cases. And a lot of times we make it easy for them to close the cases on us because we have a checkered past. So that alone, which is why anytime anything happened to any black man, they start looking for his criminal history. You know, uh, even with George Floyd, they start talking about all the shit that happened prior to him getting choked out, you know, his, his brushes with the law. That is the main tactic that is used against black men. They count on us having brushes with the law and they use that to undermine our humanity or undermine our credibility all the time. So I got out of New York because to avoid that, but I waited. I had to go, um, they wanted to talk to me they, they called me a, a person of interest in the newspaper. And it was surreal because I was walking around. And we had newsstands back then. There wasn't too many people online reading the news like they do now. And I would see my name on the front page of the damn paper. One headline said, it looks like a hit. And I was like, damn, they blaming me for all of this shit. And keep in mind, there were people who was hunting for me at that time. You understand? Because there was right. money on my head, bro. There of course. Money- and the money, you could have lost coming.
0: your life with it with, with a thing like that.
1: And the money wasn't coming from Jay and them people because it was too much money, they didn't have that kind of money. You understand? I got my suspicions, uh, but you know, there's a lot that I'm not going to say, but I've been through it. So, anyway, I contacted the, the lawyer, Marvin Kornberg, Kornberg, and I told him, I said, Look, man, I need you to go with me for questioning. I can't afford you, but I just want you to go with me for questioning because I knew they was looking for me and I didn't want them to pick me up without me having a lawyer because then they could say that, you know, I confessed, I said this, I said that. And once you got an attorney, they can't question you without your attorney there. Otherwise, everything is inadmissible. See, so my history with the law, I'm thinking like, all right, so I don't have money to pay homework. I asked him, what would he charge me? To go, just go in with me for questioning. He said, "Give me a thousand dollars." I said, "All right." That that because Friday they was talking about me being the suspect. That Saturday, I met with him near his office. I gave him a thousand dollar cash that I had borrowed from a, 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 a friend in the Bronx, Stacy Meredith. Good chick, good friend. I got to check up on her. I owe her big time, and um, I gave I gave the money to 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 Kornberg, he called the the police and he said, Listen, I heard you're looking for somebody uh that I represent. They said, Who? He said, Curtis School. And they said, Yeah. He said, Well, I'm his I'm his representative now, and I'm gonna bring him on, bring him in on Monday. Monday was November 4th. Uh, he said, uh, if you pick him up before then, you can't question him or anything. He did this call in front of me and he told me, he said, Look, man, don't make me look like a jerk. All right, meet me at my office on Monday. I said, All right. I wake up Monday morning and the, the media is all outside the precinct because somebody in the precinct had had tipped the media off that I was coming in. Wait,
0: was it that precinct in Manhattan?
1: No, it was 103rd precinct in Queens.
0: Okay. Right?
1: okay, gotcha. The precinct that was a block away from where Jay studio was. Anyway, I'm looking at the shit on TV. I'm in Brooklyn at the time. I, I was with my girl and I'm doing some pushups and I'm like, damn, I already know that when I go in, they're gonna keep me, right? They're not gonna let me walk out of there. Cause one, I ain't answered. I don't know I don't nothing. Need. So I put on two pairs of socks, two pairs of underwear, and uh, I, I, I'm getting ready to start my start my time. You know, I'm taking yeah, extra you're jailing. Got to yes, I'm ready to start jailing. Correct. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and yo, man, the shit weighs so heavily on me, man. The chick that I was with at the time She asked me if I wanted to hit before I go I was like, nah, I'm good, man And think about it, who thinks about sex When you might be gone for the rest of your goddamn life You understand what I'm saying? I'm just like A lot, lot like of you. people A lot <laughs> of people.
0: You're like, man, I need to get me one more nut Before I might not nut for a while I better, better Yo, do this
1: my, 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 my mind was not on it So anyway, we got, yeah. we got to the office And he told me, he said, look, man we're not going in. And I was like, why? I'm all suited up and ready to go. He tell me we're not going. I'm questioning him. He said, did you see the TV this morning? I said, yeah. He said, I don't want to walk you in there and somebody see you on TV and, and say they saw you outside the studio that night. Because now they'll know what you look like.
2: Mm.
1: He called the police and he told him he wasn't bringing me in. And they, he said, if you want them, you're going to have to charge them. We sat there for about an hour, they called back, and they said he can go. And Jamal, I've been gone ever since. They said I could go because they never had anything. (laughs) They said I could go because they never had anything. So they tarnished my name and everything for nothing, bro. Mm.
3: Then
1: the following year, I, I I did the illest move, and I had Playboy do a story. And got the writer to to interview Tenard Ronald Tenard Washington, and he implicated Little D and Big D in the killing. So my lawyer was he was mad as hell, right? Look, he was mad as hell because he didn't. They don't want you to talk to the press. But yo, man, I don't put my fate in nobody's hands, man. I don't give a fuck. This is my life. Right? If anybody gonna fuck it up? It's gonna be me. Mm. <laughs> going to be nobody else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be that Monday morning quarterback talking about, yo, I should have done this. I should have done that. Nah, man. I trusted me first. I don't mess with them people. And it, wor- it worked out, man. It really did work out because it, it opened up the floodgates and it took it it, it took the, the investigation in different places. A lot of information was revealed. Tenard spoke. Big D spoke. Uh, a lot of people talked. And it it it, mess, it made it harder for the police to frame anybody. Now I do want to say this, and this is important: the summer that Jay was killed, he was allegedly involved in a ten kilo drug deal. Yes, and for some reason that came out in the Playboy article.
0: And right? they're saying BMF, you know, copying from I, BMF and all this type of shit.
1: I, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. So. I didn't know anything about it, but Tenard and people in Jay's circle, again, I wasn't part of his circle. I did not know what he was involved in, right? You got to ask yourself, if the police and law enforcement are saying Jay got killed over a drug deal that went bad, why didn't they investigate the 10-kilo deal that happened the months leading up to his death? Who were who they protecting, right? Check it. Instead, they they they, so they they connected to a fictitious drug deal allegedly involving me that had happened six, seven years prior, eight years prior. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yo, it made no sense. Then I find out that hmm. the person who they, 10 odd of them referred to as uncle in the article is supposedly Southwest T from
3: BMF. Mm.
1: He has been subpoenaed. Well, I shouldn't say subpoenaed. He has had to go to New York for questioning. I was told that he hired an attorney and he pled the fifth, but come to the trial, they're gonna put him on the stand and we're gonna find out exactly what the role was. And you gotta wonder, you got a big fish like Southwest T and BMF in two thousand and two, okay, not twenty twenty three, in two thousand and two. Why are they worrying about little old me? If you if you law enforcement, oh man, that's a big ass uh, trophy trophy piece to go on, on your on your mantle. You understand what I'm saying? Why are you worrying about me? I was struggling. I I had to borrow $1,000 to pay the lawyer. I had nothing. And and you know there's a 10-kilo deal. So when Tenard and the others brought that to light in the Playboy article, it created so many different scenarios. That's why the case kind of stayed the way it was. And the Queen's DA gave Tenard a deal. And he ended up doing seven years, but the feds went and got him before his time was up. They gave him a deal on information that he provided and they never moved on the information. There's a mm. lot going on with this case. I don't really know where where it's going, where it's coming from, but I'm just waiting because somebody owes me. And I I plan to get it. Mm. And I, I don't I don't care. I don't care who it is. It could be Universal. It could be Def Jam. It could be Leo Cohen. It could be the city of New York. Somebody owes me, man.
0: Because because like, from what you're saying, I mean, this is the classic, this is a classic case of defamation of character. Yes.
1: Oh, man. they And they put my life, they put my life in jeopardy. In jeopardy. I want to believe the plan was to have me killed so the, the, the case could be over with right then and there. It's just that, you know, um, Look, man, they tried to sacrifice a lion, not a lamb. You understand what I'm and, saying?
0: And that's and that's what I was gonna say, bro. I was gonna say that I believe the only thing that really saved you was oh. being s- such a thorough dude. You understand? Like, like people that's that's watching right now. I don't know if y'all could tell, but brother Schoon is a big dude <laughs> how tall are you you're like six three six four six, some shit like six that four, six four yeah, you six yeah. four this man when i met him he was religiously uh working out every weekend i would see him at the track when i'm training my my dog rest in peace brolic um mm. When I was training my dog, he would be out there religiously working out, running and sprinting. And he just seemed like the type that had that inner drive to, you know what I mean? Like a person that's on his own self-discipline. You seem like a self-discipline type of dude.
1: Very much so. No drugs, no right. life. And I, I stay on go always did because i came up that way so i don't shy away from from the action you know what i mean like yo the the action come i'm running at it i ain't running from it and mm. i keep myself mentally and physically prepared to execute in that manner so mm. yeah they did pick the wrong person and on top of that man i'm a thinker too bro. ain't nothing slow about me the size is one thing but my most powerful weapon is right up here. You know what I mean? Like yeah, for sure. So in any event, man, yeah, somebody got to an answer for that, man. They got to an okay. answer for that. And I and I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see how the case go. I want to f- I want to figure out who is really I have a lot of theories, but I don't have any proof.
0: Let me let me so, read this article real quick and bring the people up ahead. to speed. Um, so a third person charged in the 2002 killing of hip hop pioneer Jam Master J this is as reported by a, a CBS no NBC news A uh, third person has been indicted in the killing of Run DMC DJ Jam Master J more than 2 decades after he was found fatally shot in his New York studi- in his New York studio and nearly 3 years after two men were charged in the crime officials said Tuesday Uh, Jay Bryant, 49, was charged with the murder of Jam Master Jay, whose real name was Jason Mizell, while engaged in narcotics trafficking, according to a superseding indictment filed in federal court in New York's Eastern District. Bryant, who also faces a firearms charge, is being held on unrelated federal drug charges as an expected and is expected to be arraigned later, a spokesperson for the prosecutor's office said. In a... uh, Detention memo, the prosecutor's office said Bryant was observed entering the DJ's Queens Recording Studio immediately before the shooting on October 20th, 2002. A piece of clothing left at the scene contained his DNA, according to the memo. Now, my question is, if you had some DNA, what the fuck did it take, you know, 21 years to Uh, match that up? Or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Jamal,
1: anyway. let me tell you this, man. I'll be honest. I'll, get you that. I, I, I'll be honest. I've been I've been nothing but truthful as I know it since I sat down with this interview, and I and I'm truthful all the time, right? Look, man. I mm-hmm. really my my prime suspicion was towards Jay's nephew, Bo Skaggs, because I couldn't understand how his uncle mm. got killed that night, and he went on tour the next morning. And
0: I was gonna say wasn't look, he implicated he went on that one the
1: next morning? His grandmother, Jay's mother, was calling for him to come home. He wouldn't come. He was 21 years old. If your uncle is dead mm. and murdered, what do you think about going on a promotional tour for a tacky group like Rusty Waters where you pretended like you're from down south? Everything stops. Your uncle got murdered. He's the reason why you got a record deal. So I'm not saying that he did it. I'm just telling you how I thought. I thought it was very fishy, right? And then I saw him do an interview where he claimed when he came up there, he saw his uncle on the floor and he kicked him because he thought he was playing. And I was like, this dude wouldn't kick Jay if he thought he was playing. Was he? Did he kick him out of anger? What the hell's going on here? So that's just me, right? I'm confused about all of what's happening right now. I don't know who did what. So I'm like everybody else I'm waiting to see as far as the DNA on the hat. <clears throat> the interesting thing is I, I got some court documents, violence. and there was, a, there was a meeting in that studio that night from a company called Prime America. They met every Wednesday night. You had to be buzzed into that building. The lady from Prime America, I think her name was Tanya Edwards, she saw the girl from JMJ Studios, Lydia High, Randy Allen's sister, let someone in with braids. They looked to be in their mid-twenties. The lady claims she she heard some shots and saw that one person run back out the studio and exit the building. So the eyewitness at the time, now she says she is so long she don't remember what the person looked like but the eyewitness only saw one person go in and one person go out.
2: Mm.
1: Now, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with this case, to be honest with you, bro. All I know is it ain't got nothing to do with me and it never did. Right. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and on top of that, man, everybody in that studio it's suspect, man. I'm not saying that they, they they conspired to kill Jay, but they all knew. And you got to wonder why. Why didn't they tell? Mm. I mean, and, and that's the other reason why I was suspicious of the nephew. Because the way I rationalized it is that I don't believe that they were scared of anybody. That's why they didn't tell all this time. I'm not buying that. Okay. Not at all. I I felt like they didn't tell because it was against their own self-interest
3: that Mm. somebody
1: within their circle did it. I even thought maybe it was an accidental death. I don't know. Because Mm. the other person got shot in their ankle and we know nobody aimed for his ankle. You understand what I'm saying? So who knows what the hell happened in there? But they, to this day, I still don't know why they all weren't charged with obstruction of justice. I don't I don't know. But, you know, I'm not a cop, but there's 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 powerful forces involved that are direct looking for a specific outcome in this case. Mm. And I'm glad that I'm no longer the target. And and last but not least, when these guys were arrested, the U.S. attorney contacted my attorney and they offered for me, they wanted to talk to me under the um, protection of immunity. And I told, I asked my lawyer, I said, do I have to go? He said, no. I said, "I said, well, then I ain't gone. Mm. I said, and, and if they subpoena me, I'm pleading the fifth. I said, you mm. might as well let them know that, right? And people will say, well, why wouldn't you talk to them? If you're innocent, this, that the other. Well, I'll tell you why. For one, I really don't know anything about the case. Even if I, there's nothing for me to really talk about. But most importantly, Everyone knew that it wasn't me all this time, and y'all just let me dangle in the breeze. Nobody said sorry. Nobody in Jake's family. Nothing. Mm. Yo, I was just like roadkill in the street. Oops, and keep going and shit. You know what I mean? So now I don't. I don't have. And I'm. It's, it's not out of animosity, but I, I treat people the way they treat me. I don't have any obligation to help with this case where no one tried to help me clear my name. You understand? Figure it the fuck out, bro. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how I, that, that's how I feel about all of that. You know, and I, I told them I wouldn't do it. You know, and next thing you know, they put the pressure on Southwest T. And, and I believe that the reason why they wanted to talk to me is because they wanted to use me to establish that Jay was in fact dealing with drugs even though I had nothing to do with whatever transpired at that time. They, they're they gonna paint a picture of him. Not just those people are gonna be on trial, but Jay's legacy is about to go on trial too.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: And and they wanted me to help establish that he was in fact a drug dealer, you know? So you got all these goofies like David Seabrooks and, and uh, Hurricane going on all these documentaries and talking about me and I ain't got nothing to do about the case. And the reality is they don't even know what the fuck is going on. I just don't know why they want to be mentioning my name. You know, mm. I saw I saw a hurricane in one, one interview with some sunglasses on looking like the Terminator. <laughs> Marshall, Marshall Clark asked him, is, is school a tough guy? Yeah, he's a tough guy. But he, he ain't tough to me. And I'm just like, my dude, man, you wore an Afro. You or Afro wig. And you're right. the rap group, the Afro. Afro. Yes, yes. I remember Hurricane dancing on the on the corner. Like, yo, it's, yo, when you when you put the, when you put niggas in front of cameras, man, they just turn into this whole different. I'm just like, yo, when did this guy become this guy? i yo man in life. I may have said what's up to Hurricane three times in mm. my entire life. Never had a conversation with him. And if I said what's up to him, it's because he was with somebody that I was really talking to. And I would say, hey, what's happening, man? But, and that was it three times most. Like, this dude don't even know me. I don't know him. But he's on every documentary speaking on me as if he knows me. Mm. He don't know what's going on in the streets. He don't know nothing. All he knew was how to carry the Beastie Boys records and luggage. Because um. he was their DJ for about 30 fucking years. You know, it's it's, you know, it's just weird, man. And it, they, they just they leave a bad taste in my mouth, man, for years because I couldn't say nothing. And you gotta look at it right with my history and and, and, and what I'm being accused of. It's like my hands are tied because you don't want to say nothing. That it could be misconstrued that you're threatening these people, and this is a true story. I was living in Atlanta, yeah, we met about 13 years ago, about two thousand, mm-hmm. you know, maybe around 2009, yeah, and and uh,
0: somewhere around there,
1: somewhere around there. And, and there was a time that Randy Allen, his son, committed suicide in Atlanta, and I lied to you, not Jamal. I was like, God damn I hope they don't try to connect me to this shit you mm. understand what I'm saying like yeah right. yo man because people want a reputation you don't want a reputation like that you don't because you will be getting accused of shit you didn't even do man and that's why I don't understand people who jump out there and promote themselves as killers and gangsters and all this stuff man that's the last thing you want you will end up with a case for something you ain't got nothing to do that man's son committed suicide and because it happened in the city i was living in i mean i didn't know he committed suicide i just heard he was dead i was like god damn man i hope nobody trying to connect me to this shit then i found out it was suicide and it was and rest in peace to him the kid never did nothing to me you know but it was a sign of relief to me that they knew what happened because i didn't need that to be up in the air don't school live in Atlanta. Maybe he's trying to get back at Randy. Right. I didn't need none none of that, man. So I'm very careful with my image, with my words. You ain't gonna hear me threatening nobody, talking tough, none of that shit, man.
0: Let me ask you something. Um, when you were in the when you were in the midst of being falsely accused, right? Yes. Had you had you received information? like concrete information that somebody else did this shit that you didn't have nothing to do with. you weren't working with these people or nothing, would you be willing to uh, give that information to the police?
1: Nah. Nah. I would have used that information to clear my name in my own way because what I would have done is I would have got to the bottom of it. You know, like I thought that, that Bo was involved and I always said, if Jay was my man, when Bo came back from that tour, me and Bo was going down in the basement. And when we come upstairs, this case would have been solved. You mm. know what I mean? I'm not relying on the police to clear me, bro. No, sir. Mm. I gonna clear myself. If I get information that this person did this, that. That person would want to turn themselves in when I'm finished with them. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. yo, yo, they gonna want to turn themselves in. I'm not gonna do the police work for them. I'm not gonna be. I mean, I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna have the police do my work for me. Let me say that. Right. You know, if you try right. to frame me, <laughs> you look. Like, no, no, that, that's my job. I got this. You know what I mean? Like yo, yeah. man, that's just how it works. That's just how it works, man. If I had found out, I would have got with whoever it was. Yeah, I would have got with them for sure, absolutely. So and I don't mean I don't mean get with them to to get them out of here. Oh man, they would they would have they would have ran to the precinct and told
0: us Nah, that. you would have pressed them. You would have pressed oh, them
1: in the worst way. Uh huh. Trying to frame me? Oh yeah, man, yeah for sure.
0: So well, listen, I I just want to say, you know, I'm glad that finally the truth is being revealed and as the truth is being revealed, you are, you know, not in any way being implicated in this. You were falsely accused and um, yeah, I, I hope that something leads, you know, I hope you receive something from this defamation suit that I believe would be a no, a slam dunk. Like it's a no brainer. Like yep. to be accused of something like this and the and the the type of upheaval that it, it uh thrust upon one life one's life to even be accused of something like this has to be, you know, it's unimaginable. I can't look, even look, imagine it.
1: Look, Jamal, and also the way they, they, they quantify damages is based on what your potential earnings would be. Like guys right. would do like twenty something years and might get $2 million and people be like, that's it. But they'll look at them like, man, this guy realistically wasn't going to get a job paid more than $30,000. Anyway, you right. know what I mean? This is how the system works. But here's what, here's what I did with a cloud over my head. I became a published journalist published in King magazine and Playboy. I became a book contribu- contributor, contributor, The whole book was my idea. I received 25% of the the royalties and advance of the gross, 25% of the gross Mm. in perpetuity for Queen's Reign Supreme, starred reviewing Publishers Weekly. That book was the beginning of me producing on television with American Gangster. From there, I produced my own film, Black, White, and Blue, which you are in, and thank you for... For participating in that, that I financed myself. I'm working on a boxing documentary. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a boxing documentary, born uh, the box yeah, right boxing now. Born the box film.com is the website. I started school TV on my own on my own server. And why did I do that? Because I understood the power of media. So now right. I have a media platform and journalists who write for me exclusively from around the world mm. that, that are published on SchoolTV.com. I got involved with politics while making Black, White, and Blue. I backed Coleman Young the second, the son of the first Black mayor of Detroit, when he ran for mayor in 2017, I was his biggest backer. He ran for Congress in 2018, I was his biggest backer. And now he's at city council at large. And I backed him there, made campaign officials. Sure. I, I, I oh, own an wow. outpatient mental health facility where we provide services for roughly a thousand people and wow. hire, hire anywhere between 50 to 65 people about 20 W-2 workers in 40, 40 uh, 1099s. I've done all this with a cloud over my head, man. Mm. So when, when I'm talking about retribution.
0: Your potential ain't going to be no little $2 No, nah, it ain't going to
1: be no $2 million. Right. Because I had to do all of this with people looking at me every time I leave a meeting thinking, I wonder if he did that shit. Right, and that that ain't cool, bro. You meet a a woman, she Google your name, her family Google your name, yo, man, they have, they have caused me a lot, and it's it's immeasurable, man. Mm. You know, it's it's not just, it yo unnecessarily, and that's why I was adamant about not even trying to help them because, who tried to help me, man? Right, who tried to help me? everybody was running with that story. Now every every other day, it's a new killer. They said this guy, Jay Bryant, confessed to pulling the trigger, but they, they're sticking to the story that it was little D. I, I'm telling you, man, I don't know what's going on with this case. It's a mess, but I'm gonna sit back and watch it and let the chips fall where they may, because I definitely plan to pick up the pieces.
0: um so i think another testament to you is so you had all that cloud over your head you managed to do all of those things which led you to be able to produce on american gangster and i know for a fact that once you got into that american gangster production world you reached out to others and helped pull them in, <laughs> i.e., our brother and friend to the show, Luke Steffen. Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to my man, Luke Steffen. Uh, he he shouted you out and said you were the one that pulled him in um, so that he can get his first producer credit. But I, I also watched your interview with Doggy Diamonds. Shout out to my man, Doggy Diamonds. And you tell the story of how you got Vulture Vlad, his first producer credit on American Gangster, and he acted like a little bitch. Why don't you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, well, Vlad, right? And shout out to, to Luke, man. Luke Luke's a good dude. He came home from prison. He saw what I was doing. He put his ego to the side and he said, Look, school. I wanted to, to to monetize this story, but you so far down the road, I'ma fold my hand and get in the car with you. And he' been in the car with me ever since. And, <laughs> and you understand? And that was, that was around 2006, or oh, you know what I mean? Like, but but anyway, Vlad, I, I never met Vlad. I spoke to him on the phone a few times. Um, Cavario, who had helped start Don Diva. Mm-hmm. he called me one time and he had vlad with him and he said um yo school man um vlad want to talk to you he was going by the name vlad the butcher he was out there in, in the bay at the time never I, I was familiar with him never listened to his music i'm'm I'm, no no shots I'm not really a big fan of the bay area type hip hop right the hyphy and all that that's not mm-hmm. my thing i that's that's like after me you know what I mean I'm older you know what I mean but anyway. Um Vlad said he wanted to do a Mac Dre episode on American Gangster. And he said he had shot it and he had footage and all that. And I'll also be honest, I didn't really know much about Mac Dre. But see, if I'm trying to help you, I'm not going to grade you, right? Mm. I'm going to take what you got and try to make it work. That's how you help people. You don't turn into the, the goddamn... uh the the executive all of a sudden like you're the one in charge of what goes on TV. I'll let the people who do that, let them judge your content. I'm not gonna be that guy. If I'm trying to help you, I'm gonna get you in the room. You know, I can't I can't make the other person like what you have, but I'm gonna do my part. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play the armchair A and R or none of that, right? Gatekeeper. I'm not gonna be that guy. I don't I don't care for that. So I looked at it and I was like, I mean He sent me something and I looked it out like, all right, man, let me shoot my shot. They were relying on me because I did the Fat Cat episode. I made that pop for them. Cat had never done an interview with anybody. You know what I mean? I made them sign papers that I would get the final edit, approval of the edit of the Fat Cat joint. They told me, they said, man, if we do that, it's like giving you editorial control. I said, that's one way to look at it. But the other way is look at all I'm going to give you in return. And it worked out great for everybody. Cat wouldn't have done it unless unless I had the final say. So on it, you understand? See, those mm-hmm. are the things nobody knows about me, man. Like when I sit down, man, I don't I don't come with my hat my my hat in my hand. I sit down like I told you. I'm in awe of nobody. This is how it has to go. So in any event, I had brought them that. I brought them the Supreme Team Joint. Brought Irv Gotti and all of them in, and I, and I, they, they saw my value. So I brought them Vlad's. They said they were going to do it. Mm. And I never asked Vlad for any money because to me, I, I, I don't know his pockets, but you know, like if you ask me to do something, I'm not going to charge you, Jamal. But who I go to, I know they got money. I'm going to charge them for me bringing you. You understand? I, I yo, I go up, I don't go down, bro. You dig right, what I'm saying? Right. So yeah. many of us, yo, we try to feed off an emaciated cow, man. Like yo, mm. bro. You know, I'm going with, I'm going with a the 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 where the livestock is fat, man. You know, and, and that's that's upstairs, right? They got it. So so anyway, I did that. I got a couple thousand dollars for it. And Vlad got his first TV production credit. I never asked him for anything. He was thankful, all that. A couple years later, Cat Sons, they, they had an artist, I think it, um, his name was Mo Payne. He had a, a song called Meet me, in, Meet, Meet me in the Tunnel, or something like that. And there was another one. They wanted a video played on Vlad Channel Because Vlad used to play videos when he first came out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I sent him the video, and he had to tell me that the video wasn't really, you know, to the standard of what he had on there but it absolutely was though. Mm. And and if I had told him that about his low budget footage, it would have never got on on American Gangster. But you know, um, I learned learned a lesson from that. I didn't do it for him, let me say that. I did it for Cavario, but I still learned a lesson. You gotta be careful who you do things for, you know? you got to you got to make sure there's nothing wrong with throwing people a good love but it has to be people that move like you move you know otherwise you'll be you'll just be exploited by takers man that people that only know how to take and they don't know how to give you know i'm a natural giver bro i'm not into taking anything i'm a builder i provide opportunities to people all of that but you ha- I have to remind myself that there's a lot of people, man. They're like parasites. They're just looking for a host to feed off of. And when they when they drain that host of everything, it's on to the next one. They remember nothing at all. And that's how I see Vlad. You know, not just from that one incident. I've talked to other people about him, and he's a he's an opportunist. A lot of these people who aren't like us, us, right? We come from a place where people have nothing, right? And sometimes you just have to have faith and trust in the bond that is gonna work out. And you know that if if this person get on, they're gonna throw the rope back for you. But when you deal with people like Vlad, that's not how they work in their world. In fact, they probably think we're stupid for doing that because that's Mm. not their culture. You understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and when i say culture i'm not even talking about race street dudes usually have each other's back when they when they rock with each other because if they don't call the police they don't go to the banks so anything go wrong they turn to each other we are conditioned to do and move like that those other people are not i'm not saying that they're not that they're wrong or right but we have to know the difference and we have to move with them
0: accordingly. The word is called integrity.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, I, I feel like a, a lot of people lack integrity, you know? And, and when you look at somebody and you be like, that's a real nigga, da 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 Most of the time, those are niggas with integrity. That's why you're looking at them like, yo, that's, that's a solid dude. The only way you're going to be solid is by having integrity. Because other than that, you, you ready to do whatever and do all kind of sucker shit and make all kind of sucker moves. And you know what I mean? Like when I asked you the question about would you tell the police, even if it was going to help clear And you're like, no, that's integrity. You have the integrity to say, yeah, that's the easy way out. But here's how I'm going to handle the shit. Like, although it might be the harder thing to do sometimes. You see, integrity is doing the harder thing a lot of times and people don't want to do that. Um, that's why snitching and all kind of shit is prevalent these days, you know? Just lack of integrity and 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 people that are used to cutting the line in life and getting special privileges and, you know, to make them feel special, Like, if you did that all your life, why would you not keep that going when it's time to snitch? You see what I'm saying? Like, that's just a form of cutting what you want without doing all, you know what I mean? Like, doing all the work. Like, you're trying to get off.
1: Let me share a true story with you. I've never told this story on on, on any platform. Mm. When you met me in Georgia, the way I was making my money is I was selling DVDs at mm. the Wakefield Plaza right off of Riverdale Road down the street from you.
2: Mm-hmm. By Wayfield.
1: Um, some police were working uh, security there in uniform. You know, they parked their car because you know how the country boys, they, they, they run wild and stuff. So you got to mm-hmm. have the police presence. Yo, man, there was a cop from 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 eighty third, one hundred eight was it one eighty third up in up in the Bronx. And wow! Yeah,
0: What's yeah, yeah, one eighty third.
1: Yeah, shit. yeah, from up in the Bronx, and we connected. So the police they let me sell my movies. Now keep in mind, selling DVDs is a felony, right?
2: Mm.
1: Um, but I've sold a lot worse. So I was trying to. To be the best version of who I could be, in that space and time, right? So one day, I used to get the cops free free movies and stuff. A cop who's now a sergeant, he came through, and I gave him I gave him some movies through the window of his car. Took no money from I never took money from the police, but I would get him free movies and stuff, right? A off-duty deputy saw it, and Later on that day, Victor Hill, who was the sheriff of Clayton County at the time, and his top lieutenants came, and they arrested me, mm. and they wanted me to implicate Clayton County Police Department
2: mm. in, the, in the
1: DVD business because the deputy had so. And at the time, Victor Hill was always he had always he always had a hard on for the police department, he changed the sheriff department uniform from brown to blue. He he was encroaching on all their territory. He wanted to make them obsolete. Like he was the, the top law officer in Clayton County.
3: Mm.
2: And
1: me with my little DVD hustle got in the middle of this firefight. So check this, they asked me, they said, "Uh, are you in business with such and such and such and such and such and such? And, such? They, and you know what I told them Jamal? I said you know what that is man they said what I said that's a leading question mm. I said, do you know how many people would lie on the police to get out of trouble they stop questioning me right then and there bro that's integrity people be talking about yeah I told I told on the police I wouldn't even tell on the police
0: mm.
1: You understand?
0: Mm. that's deep that is integrity that is integrity and the easier thing would have been to just like, yeah, <laughs> it was them. They, they made me do it. They, you know what I <laughs> mean? have <Like, laughs> been an easy thing, thing to do. And sometimes integrity means doing the harder thing. You know what I mean? And have it. And that's where self-discipline comes in. And if you don't have self-discipline, you're fucked in this world that's why they want you to be that's why they don't want us to have any discipline that's why they want us to be weak um I want to talk about school and tv real quick because I like the fact that you said you got your own server like that's something that I had actually thought about you know what I mean I feel like that's something that we need um you know I'm I've gotten strikes and shit on YouTube. Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? I'm get I get fucking uh emails talking about somebody made a copyright claim and all this stupid shit. Um, you know, when the scandemic was going down, there was certain things you couldn't even fucking say, you know, without, you know, being flagged and all this. Um and we got to stop acting like YouTube is the only game in town. You know, we got to stop acting like Instagram and all these other places that have servers that are just given to us. We got to stop acting like we can't do this shit ourselves as well. So tell me, you know, about that process. Uh, is it a hard thing to do? Is it, you know what I mean? Like,
1: well, what, what, what I have technically, is do we grow
0: this network as well, too.
1: But well, what I have is technically called a designated server, right? It's okay. not like I got my own server in my closet somewhere. Right? right, right, right. So, you got these companies, and I'll give you the information offline. You got these companies where you can have your own server set up within their their system and host your own content. You're right. gonna have to pay for that on a monthly basis, and and over to all the big all the big companies do the same thing, whether it be Drudge Report. Or, or fox or whoever they all have their own designated server right right so with that you pay for your space and and of course as time goes by you use more and more space because of the accumulation and you can expand it my brother who's a a, a genius set up my uh my server for me but what what really got me started with it was because on january 8th Twenty twenty one, Trump lost his Twitter account, cause after the insurrection or whatever. And I thought to myself, regardless of what anybody think about Trump, he was the president. If if they could bully the president like him. this, who the hell am I? You know what I mean? So I, right. I I was I was like, yo, I started preparing, and and I I launched School on TV on April twentieth, twenty twenty one. It took ninety days. From conception to execution, and what I did was I, I used a combination so, of things.
0: How, how long?
1: Ninety days. Ninety, 90 days.
0: Ninety days. Three months.
1: Three months, bro. Okay.
0: You know,
1: so I, I I wanted I wanted to have exclusive content. That's in my town hall section. That's at the top of the site. I got journalists, a foreign correspondents from South Africa, Uganda, Kenya, Croatia. And they give you the perspective of what's going on in the world from their vantage point. I'm not saying that they are telling you the truth. It is always best to get as many vantage points as possible because the truth is somewhere in the middle. In America, we have 95% of all media and information controlled by five corporations, right? And they all push a certain narrative. And and a lot of it is is really from the intelligence community that they let us know what they want us to know. And we, we, we internalize it the way they want us to internalize it. And when I say they, I'm talking about the powers that be, the ruling class, the elite, whatever you want to call them, right? So in my town hall, I got exclusive content. But then like Drudge Report, I have a news aggregator that collects articles because my writers aren't gonna push out enough content at the pace to keep people engaged. So I have the news aggregator component where you can find content from America, from abroad, everything, and check that out. And then also I I host my own video content that I put behind my paywall because I don't have advertisers or anything. So I charge people $4.99 for the primary uh membership they get access to my vlogs uh 9.99 for my presidential and they get access to my interviews and my vlogs right everything mm-hmm. else on the site is free you don't need a membership to access the, the the town hall or the news aggregate or anything but me my presence i charge for that not saying that i think i'm all of that but some I need some way to offset the cost of for providing this service for people who don't want to be inundated with propaganda. Right, you know, and, and so that that's been working out for me. I've, I've interviewed Roger Stone, uh, Mark Lamar Hill, Duduzani Zuma, uh, a, a, whole, a bunch of people, and and people are enjoying it. I wish more people would sign up just last year I launched my app in December. You can get the School TV app on in in Google Play or in the Apple Store. It's there and you can check out my site on your your phone, on the app, or you can visit it, www.schooltv.com. And and every day I got a staff, I got a team. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of that and we're constantly pushing. But you know, it's kind of hard, Jamar, because I had to try to figure out who I was as a a media personality. A lot of my views are traditional and conservative, but I wouldn't call myself a political conservative. I'm more or less a social conservative, conservative. meaning that I believe in the mother, father, the nuclear family, and so on and so forth and do, it, and do it for self and things like that. I'm not looking to the government to do for me what I'm either incapable or unwilling to do for myself mm. if that makes any sense, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'm also very black and proud of it, man. I, and I love black people, man, you know, when we do right. And I try right. to support as many of us as possible when we do right, okay? and that, that that's the only thing i i'm not trying to charge but i don't want to support bullshit. to be blunt you know but sometimes man when you're dealing with politics it's almost required for for you to abandon any kind of racial identity as a black person you have to fall into the fold of whichever side you're on i simply refuse to do that mm-hmm. i agree with a lot of uh, conservative principles yes but i still acknowledge that there's differences between whites and blacks and and there's structural racism and so on. i don't harp about it but i'm not going to i'm not going to ignore it to make somebody else comfortable you understand like i like i often say it's like to me a lot of whites don't want to hear that blacks have it harder because then they have to reassess and re-evaluate their own accomplishments. Like, did you really earn it? And that bothers them, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not attacking them when I tell them that, you know, it's, it's tougher for us. And as a black entrepreneur, I feel like racism, you don't really get to see it until try to get a bigger piece of the economic pie that's Mm. when the blades come out you see but the politicized form of racism deals with police brutality stop instead uh stopping uh frisk uh profiling those things because it's more relatable and can get more votes but you can navigate that i know someone i'm not going to say his name he's carried guns since he was 14 and has never been arrested with a gun you Mm. understand I know I'm pretty damn well. You can get around stopping, frisk, profiling, just don't be a jackass out here, but you can't get around not having access to that, to that money, that mm. that economic. Yo, man, they, they serious about it. And it may not even be simply along racial lines. I will say this, you know, when we talk about race, we gotta be careful because there's a lot of white people who are just very average, and you know, they go to work. So when we're talking about white people got this, got that, they personalize it, of course, because they are white. And they're like, shit, I'm out here busting my ass. So I will say this the people in power are most definitely white. But every white person is not in power. You know, and and, and that kind of that 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 should help people understand. It's not just the whiteness, man. I like to say white privilege is getting the benefit of doubt, especially from Black people. Black people, they, they it's a psychological thing with us, you know? A lot of us have a deep inferiority complex, whether we want to admit it or not. We defer to whiteness. It's why somebody like a Vlad could tell all these hood stories. It's why somebody like a Bobby Condus, who I liked, but he's a white Bajan, could be the, the reggae DJ on Hot 97 with a Jamaican sidekick. Yeah. For years. A, for years. over. And I'm not saying that Bobby Carter is a bad guy, no. But there's a lot of privileges of being white, especially when dealing with Black people. We we talk racist sometimes, but there's nobody more accepting of white people than Black people, bro. That's just my observation. Look, man, in my mental health business, I've had four black clinical directors, three women and one black man. The first black uh, white clinical director I got, uh, the company became more productive. And we're talking about a 97% black staff. Mm. For, so, for whatever reason, they responded better to right. the white direction. I'm not, making
0: used to, uh-huh.
1: I, I'm not proud to say that. I'm not making this up.
0: It's just a fact.
1: And it's just a fact. And I can tell you, because I am the fucking boss. The white director was no more capable than any of the preceding black ones. He was no more capable. But Except we think the sport.
0: white people's ice is colder.
1: Oh, we think that, you and, know, And, and, and that authority
0: is, a is more authoritative. You yeah. know, like, everything
1: look and that that is an internal issue with us man you know we could blame a lot of external factors but we got to get that that thing right within ourselves first and then the external factors won't even matter they'll dissipate but it starts inside of us we got to love each other more we got to support each other more and that doesn't mean hating anybody else right if if you need if you need opposition to galvanize your forces, well, then that may be problematic because you can't have opposition all the time. How about maybe we just galvanize our forces and become unified out of a need to survive, man? You know, I I, I saw a statistic that in Jamaica, 85% of the children are born out of wedlock. Mm. And 70% of the children uh, subjected to a paternity test, not 70% of all children, of the children who took the paternity test, 70% of them weren't the children of the men they thought was their father, bro.
2: This is going on
1: in Jamaica right now. Yo, you you cannot, you cannot, compensate with politics and policy for cultural deficiencies. We Mm. have an issue culturally that we need to fix, and we weren't always there. My theory is that integration put Black people in close proximity to the most deviant of white folks. Mm. Right? And this is where you were talking about Pride Month and all that. This is who we partnered up with so we've we're in this perpetual situation where on one side you have the the white people that you know mother father old school values but a lot of them have a lot of racial you know undertones with them right so we're like conservative oh.
0: values but a racist with yes. a racist undertone yep. whereas you the got opposite. the Democrats who are who are bleeding heart liberals, but their racism is just showing up in a different way.
1: Oh man, listen. In a, Other, in you a- know,
0: we're used to that Republican outright. You know, in your face, yes. yeah. With this Democratic shit, they'll they'll tell you that abortion is health care. Like <laughs> that's racial fucking genocide. And you got the Democratic Party who's literally pushing. Abortion as a form of health care when it's the furthest thing from health care. It's death well, care.
1: See, And, 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 and they, they give us, they entice us with, their, with these symbols. And these For code partaking words. Partaking in their deviancy, right? At the opening of the 2020 DNC convention, they had Billy Porter, openly gay black man, HIV positive. He was in some kind of chiffon outfit, prancing around. Now, I'm not going to judge Billy Porter. My life is very different from his. I am. But, but, But please tell me, what does he have to do with a presidential election?
0: Nothing other than trying to sway black people to get down with the agenda. See what I'm saying? That's what he has to do with it. That's why they're trying to use black people as the as the face of a lot they, of this shit.
1: Because civil rights has now become gay rights. It's interchangeable. So there's a lot of social engineering going on. And Absolutely. it's being done in entertainment. I, when I see people like Dwayne Wade, and what's going on with his son and all that, I'm not minding his business. His son is a kid. Whether his son was gay or straight, his son shouldn't be sexualized at his age, period. That used to be considered decent behavior to not sexualize your children. You cannot make your fa- your son, your, your underage, underage child, child, the face the of some face kind of sexual, sexual movement. movement, you know? And but here's the thing,
0: at- they have to do that. You know why?
1: Of course.
0: Because a man and a man can't have children. A woman and a woman can't have children. So they have to make converts. They have to recruit children. They can't have their own children. So they have to recruit children into their movement in order for them to be more gay people. Like, that's the only way you're going to get them in is through recruiting. And you can recruit them through through foods because they're chemically... uh, They're chemically sending people down that path through nutrition and shit like that through foods that you don't even realize uh, through formula and vaccines and all kind of shit like that. But then they're also doing it with just media bombarding people. They got trannies going into the kindergarten, reading stories to the children and all of that. Why would you attack the children? Because you need converts. You need more people to... You can't grow them. <laughs> you can't yeah. make them on, so you
1: gotta uh, convert them. Yeah, for sure. Right now, but 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 Jamal, you know, um, I just got a message, and you know, I gotta run go pick that thing up. You know, yes, what I mean? Yes, yes. Like, listen, man, anytime, bro. Listen, I, I, I get on. I want to talk with you, you again
0: because I love everything about Skoon TV having a dedicated server. I'd like to help. I feel like you probably need. A fucking influence, sir, like me, over there doing something that's gonna help bring <laughs> eyes over there. I don't know how many subscribers hey. you got and all of that, but we got 165,000 right now on this particular channel. Um, you I don't you know. I, mean, about it,
1: talk. It, I get traffic from 80,
0: I'm sure a football. lot of them would come over there if I was to put that out there, and especially if I said, Well, you know what, you're not even gonna see me on YouTube. Come to School on TV. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, man, so
1: we got to it, bro. We got to
0: Yeah, let's talk, man. Let's see how we can yeah. make some, some shit happen, to man. And we got to help each other. You know what I mean? All the time, man.
1: All the time, grow, man. Bro, you know, I I get traffic from over 80 countries around the world, man. Every day. And I
0: get traffic from a lot. That's why I like to go earlier when I say like 3 o'clock, because I know that people overseas, if it's 3 o'clock over here, it's like 8 o'clock. You know what I mean? Oh in London,
1: I didn't like, know that. I did not know you went. Yeah, live, so
0: so that's why when you was like 10 o'clock last night, I was like, nah, that's too late. Like, I want to make sure that we get as much people as possible. And the analytics say between 12 and 5 is when my particular channel has the most eyes on it. So that's oh, when man. So, so I want to talk- make sure you was at prime time. You know what I mean?
1: I appreciate you, brother. I do. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. So let's, yeah. let's get up. We're gonna talk offline to what you doing tomorrow. Maybe we can get on a call tomorrow. Uh
0: yeah, I could get on a call tomorrow. Real quick. Uh thank you, Pablo Garcia. He said, can, can you ask quick who's Spence. he got? I
1: got Spence. Oh, I got
0: Spence. okay. Yeah, I got Spence. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and wait, when is that fight?
1: Uh it's in July, I think the 27th.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. All right. Yeah all right we'll be looking to miami
1: next week i'm interviewing don king next week man
0: wow
1: yeah i'm closing that's out my project big. with him yeah 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 91. that's big 91.
0: big don i know don gets a bad rap oh, uh oh
1: i'm straightening it out man i'm for the black man we ain't perfect. Yeah. but we ain't, the, we ain't the worst thing walking far from it you know what i'm saying
0: exactly they yeah. act like he created cr- corruption in boxing. Get the <laughs> fuck out of
1: here. Yeah. Boxing
0: was one of the most corrupt sports before. Man, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But uh, thank you, Pablo Garcia. I appreciate you. Um, All right. Well, listen, man. I uh, congratulate you on, on this new whip. Yes, Go. Sir. It's a sunny day out today. You're going to grab that motherfucker and get out on the road and the sun's going to be hitting the, that paint and just <laughs> <Just a> minute. <laughs> you got the windows down, feeling good, letting that air hitting you. Oh, by the way, I kept seeing through this whole chat, a lot of people think that you resemble large professor. For yeah,
1: reason. yeah, yeah. get that a lot, man. I get that a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, a lot, man. <laughs> out my man.
0: Large professor. That's my guy. Yeah. Um no relation. No, nah, no, nah. we both from Queens, though. We both you know? from Queens, yeah. though, and yeah. that's another legend from Queens. Shout yes. out, my man, Large Pro. Uh, so yeah, all of y'all that think school look like, this is just a Queens thing.
1: Yeah, just a um, Queens thing.
0: But listen, we I appreciate you coming through. I appreciate everybody in the chat that was here. Make sure you like, uh, comment, share subscribe all that good stuff um hang on let me put this shit is up so moving so slow today hang on a second um i just want to put your joint on the screen t oh, no you got it in the background um Hang on. Come on, that's slow. There it is. Oh, no. Okay,
1: there
0: you go. So, y'all make sure you go to SchoolTV.com. Um, you could check out his free content. You could check out the what you say, the four ninety nine, and then the nine ninety nine. Is that what yeah, we're doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they All the prompts are there. They can download the app for sure. The app is free. Right. Like I, I give up. I give up as much as possible. I'm in the media space, man. Um, there's not a lot of entertainment content, but there's a lot of financial international. And things like that 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 affect our, our bottom line, you know. Yeah, I'm not we'll against it. To help content. you
0: bring some of that entertainment content over there, and
1: we we going talk,
0: bro. I, I got quite that. a few new artists that I'm dealing with, and man, maybe hmm, yeah, I got some ideas, man. I got some All ideas.
1: Right, right. We'll talk.
0: Let's definitely talk. Schoon, ladies and gentlemen, Curtis Schoon. Everybody, thank you so much. This was an excellent fucking interview. Thank, thank you,
1: man, man.
0: My brother. Peace. Peace. All right, y'all. Another another uh another glorious fucking episode here on the godcast. You don't get conversations like this anywhere (laughs) else. Uh recognize. Uh thank everybody that donated uh during the show today thank you to the regulars that came through thank you to my uh moderators keeping the the chat organized and all of that shout out to the doggies in the background and uh yeah this was a good one um what's today wednesday yeah, shit. I guess I'll be back next week. I'll be back next week. Um till then, man. Y'all have a great rest of the week. Uh you have a great weekend. Oh, uh man, I'm sure I'm gonna have a flyer. Um my people at Surf Plus Army are doing a uh another event. It's gonna be on Father's Day. So I'm going to get the details and all that and put it up next time you see us. But uh, if you want to go shooting on Father's Day, and this is not just for fathers, this is women are invited too. But if you want to shoot some automatic weapons, some silenced weapons, uh, you want to shoot all those guns that you see in Call of Duty and PUBG and all of that, well, join us on uh, July 18th in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and we will be getting it in. Uh, you can hit me on my DM in, uh, on Instagram for more information. Or you can go to surplusarmy.com, surplusarmy on Instagram and find more information. All right, y'all. Once again, peace to the gods, peace to the Earth. Due to knowledge on this knowledge day, that means to look, listen, and observe, also to respect for the Godcast. My name is Lord Jamal, and as always, I wish you and yours peace.